throughout my four decades plus of solitary confinement. I've watched men go insane. Please listen carefully. Welcome, you're listening to Earth's Examined, the podcast where we examine and explore happiness, success and life through a different lens, connecting you to new stories and new ideas. I'm your host, Janine Emanuel. Let's start the discussion. No man is an island. You've probably heard this saying before. It's a famous line by the English poet John Donne. Here, John is talking about human connection, social connection. It's the idea that no one is truly separate from that. No one is truly self-sufficient completely. That's what we want to talk about today. Today, we're talking about connection, social connection. So long before John wrote his famous line, people have always understood, always felt that we're made for meaningful connection. We've always implicitly known this, we feel this, from our own experiences, from our own emotions, our drives, the internal drive that we feel to reach out to other people. This drive starts from very young, from the time we're children. Even from the moment we're born, we're reaching out to our parents. But it's only been more recently that we've actually got scientific evidence to back this up. More recently, science has been able to tell us just how important our relationships are, how many things are impacted by our social connections. It impacts our health, our mental well-being, and just our lives in so many more ways than we could have imagined. Our first story is about a man called Albert Woodfox and his experience in the U.S. correctional system. You know, well, actually, this, the measurements of the cell are six by nine, six feet wide, nine feet long. But there is actually less space available because you have two bunks attached to the wall that takes up half of the cell. And you have a toilet bowl, face bowl combination on the back wall, and you have a uh, iron uh, table with a bench on the thing. So you have a very narrow uh, pathway in which you can move back and forward in the cell. Um, That's Albert describing his prison cell in an interview with Democracy Now! after his release. Now, Albert was sent to prison in 1970. Initially, his crime was armed robbery. He was released on Friday the 19th of February 2016. Albert spent 45 years of his life in prison. Okay, but so far this is not an unusual story. But Albert's story was different. Albert was not just another one of the 2.3 million individuals incarcerated in the US prison system. His story was unique. This is because Albert was the longest serving isolated prisoner in US history. For almost 44 out of those 45 years of his sentence, he was kept in a tiny six foot by nine foot cell by the authorities. He spent 23 hours of his day locked in that cell with no human contact, no meaningful human contact, no social relationships. He was only allowed to leave this cell for one hour a day to exercise in a yard. But even this exercise was done in a small yard and it had to be done by himself. And there were even periods when this small privilege this one hour a day was taken away or it was reduced to just three hours a week. Throughout my four decades plus of solitary confinement, I've watched men go insane. I've watched men physically hurt themselves, uh, uh, you know, trying to deal with the uh, pressure of being confined to a nine by six cell, 23 hours out of every 24 hour period. Now the US has described this kind of solitary confinement as torture. It's a type of torture. 
And Albert himself described solitary confinement as the most torturous experience a human being can be put through in prison. It's a punishment without ending, he said. And he recounts how he constantly suffered from panic attacks and suffered from claustrophobia during his time there. But Albert did escape with his sanity, unlike many others who went through this experience. And although he was the longest person who served in solitary confinement in the US, Albert isn't by far alone in these kind of experiences. There's estimated to be about 90,000 prisoners in solitary confinement in the US system alone on any given day. That means today, right now, there's 90,000 prisoners who are going through similar experiences to Albert's. And many of them have brutal tales from their experiences in solitary. One of these prisoners was Anthony Gay. He's another prisoner who spent decades and decades in solitary confinement. He spent 22 years in solitary. In interviews, he's described the mental torture that he went through every day and how he expressed his mental hurting by physically hurting himself, physically cutting himself over and over and over again. Simply because, he said, he knew that when he was injured, he would get human contact. When he was injured, he would be able to see doctors, he would be able to see nurses, and this human contact would make him feel alive again, make him feel like a real person again. Others have also described how he started to talk to themselves within the first week of solitary confinement. Hallucinations are commonplace, paranoid thoughts are extremely commonplace. And the suicide rate in solitary is five to 10 times higher than it is for the general prison population. So given all of this, it's unsurprising that the United Nations has condemned the practice of solitary confinement as torture. And they've said that it should be banned in most cases and it should be absolutely 100% prohibited for any time longer than 15 days. 15 days is the maximum. I've heard terms like, you know, uh, no longer than 15 days. And, you know, for me, one day in solitary confinement is, is too much. This is because we've known the detrimental effects of isolation on our psychological well-being for decades. And we know that these effects are especially severe when it comes to children. Studies have demonstrated this over and over again. One of these studies was done in Romanian orphanages around the fall of the Soviet Union. Around that time, one big problem of these orphanages was that they were severely underfunded. And because of this, the quality of the care the children got was extremely, extremely poor. In most cases, just to show this, the ratio of adults to children was 30 children per adult. Thousands and thousands of children received just enough basic physical care. They were fed, they were bathed, they were kept clean by the staff. They experienced basically non-existent emotional and social care, but just wasn't for resources to give them beds. And because they lacked this emotional and social care, many of them developed mental health problems and behavioral disorders, which continue to follow them throughout their entire adult lives up until today. Still to come on Us Examined. Think about this question. Do you think you're the type of person to stand up for what you believe in? Would you go against the crowds if you knew that you were right? Even if nobody else agreed with you, would you stand up for what you believed in? Stories like this really highlight very extreme periods of social isolation and most of us will be lucky enough to never experience anything like this in our lives. But they do demonstrate what we instinctively feel. They demonstrate that we're made for connections and we're made for relationships with others. And when we don't get 
enough social contact, even if it's not as extreme as solitary confinement. If we don't get the social contact that we need, we tend to not do as well as we could mentally or physically. The science also backs this up. Long-term studies of human development have found that when they followed adults across their entire lives for almost 80 years of their lives, the strongest predictor of health, of satisfaction and longevity in life was good relationships with others. That's it, that was the number one predictor, good relationships with other people. And importantly, the key here was the quality of relationships, not the quantity. It wasn't the number of friends they have or the number of Facebook friends they have. The strongest predictor was the quality of the relationships they have with other people. And this kept the people happier, kept them healthier. It's almost unbelievable how much of a difference it makes. It can't be overstated. People with poor social relationships had a 29% increased risk of heart disease and a 32% increased risk of stroke. They found that loneliness can be as harmful to our health as being a smoker, being a heavy smoker, smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And it's more of a risk factor than being obese or if you didn't do any exercise. And on the flip side, people who have good relationships were found to get ill less often, even get a cold less often, get the flu less often, and they recovered faster from surgery. The list of benefits from social connection just goes on and on and on. It makes a huge difference in our lives. There can also be a more dark side to our human need for social acceptance that can occasionally turn negative. Often our strong need for social connection and belonging really pushes us to conform with the group, pushes us to change our behaviour so that we fit in with the group even when we don't believe it. Now, conformity isn't necessarily bad. We conform every day. Conformity is necessary to fit in with a society and live amongst others. Every day we're conforming in small ways to fit in our society, and most of these ways are harmless. Even some of them are beneficial. But sometimes the problem can be when conformity turns dangerous. Think about this question. Do you think you're the type of person to stand up for what you believe in? Would you go against the crowds? If you knew that you were right, even if nobody else agreed with you, would you stand up for what you believed in? A lot of us would say yes. Many of us believe that we have these strong characteristics to stand our ground against social disapproval, even when it's uncomfortable. Even when everyone else is against us, people think that we will stick to what is right. But in reality, many studies show us that we simply don't do this. Most studies show that when the pressure is on, most of us break. One simple study tested this. People were shown a line, and then they were asked to select the line of matching length from three different options. Straightforward. And then these participants were put into a group of seven others who would also rate the lines, and they would all say their answer out loud. But in reality, all of these others in the group were all actors, and their only job was to intentionally select the wrong answer to test whether the real participant would fold to the majority or stand tall and be strong against this social influence. And the results showed that most people struggle with this going against the group. 75% of participants gave a wrong answer in at least one of the rounds, and 37% of people consistently gave the wrong answers for the majority of the time, even though they knew it was wrong. This is a pretty sizable number of people who are consistently willing to go against what they know is correct. 
And the researcher who carried out this study put it in this way. The fact that intelligent, well-meaning young people are willing to call white black is a matter for concern. I'd also add, it raises the question, how much more are we conforming when the situation is more ambiguous than just matching two lines in everyday life, real life situations where there is no straightforward black or white answer? And we know throughout history, there's been many examples of how this can go very wrong and lead to disastrous outcomes. So sometimes our need for belonging can be a two-sided coin, but our bodies and minds are made for social connection. So if you're interested in having a happy life, a successful life, then having healthy and supportive connections is a great place to start. So thanks for listening today. And I'll leave you with the less well-known second line of this famous poem, no man is an island. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. The Us Examine podcast is a discussion and you're always invited. I want to hear from you. Get involved on Twitter at Us Examined. Share this podcast with someone that you know and let's start sharing stories.